forecasting for my sex writing cave where all the smut happens in real life in my head or on paper, this is the Smut Lancer Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss writing and creating content about sex and getting paid to do it. I'm your host and fellow Smut Lancer, Kayla Lords. Welcome to episode 41. This week, let's talk about how to make the decision to quit your job, change paths, and work for yourself. Basically, how to become an actual Smut Lancer. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smut Lancer podcast is produced every Wednesday. Show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. Follow me there or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Smut Lancer. This week's episode is brought to you by Blueberry, a podcasting hosting solution that makes podcasting affordable and easy. If you're thinking of starting your own podcast and want a system that makes it simple to upload audio content and easily integrates with your website, check out Blueberry. I use Blueberry for all my podcasts and I love it. I don't want to use anything else. Use the code Kayla Lords, that's all one word, Kayla Lords, to get one month free to try it out. Again, that's Blueberry, B L U B R R Y dot com, and use code Kayla Lords for one month free. So, a big thank you and shout out to my good friend Amy Norton of Coffee and Kink for inspiring this week's episode. Um, she had asked a question on Twitter and then had sort of chatted with me maybe a little bit later and wanted to pick my brain about sort of how you know when it's time to quit the day job or change your mind about what you're doing and start actually working your smut lancer life for free, whether that's writing or um, it's graphics work or it's your e-commerce store or whatever it is you're doing that makes you a smut lancer. Um, if you're also doing the day job, you know, what do you need and when do you know uh, that you can quit and you don't have to do the day job anymore? Um, so that you can devote your life to being the smut lancer that you want to be. And we had a good conversation about it. And then I was like, uh, can I please talk? Do you mind if I say that I got this question from you and we talk about it on the podcast? And thankfully she was like, yes, please. Um, because in our conversation, I couldn't, even in that moment, I could not get sort of as nuanced and detailed as I wanted to. Um, this is a really, really big conversation. It's not, in my mind, a conversation that's even big enough for one 30-minute or so podcast episode. My intention is to talk about this more often and in other ways. I have some ideas for some blog posts. Um, I think I'll have to go back in the archives, but I think I've done a blog post on pricing yourself, which is a huge part of... Um, working for yourself, whether you're doing it full time or it's just your side hustle. Um, and I've got some tools that I use in my full time freelance life that um, keep me organized and make sure I know what the heck's going on and allow me to see my growth. Um, so those kinds of things I've, I've got sort of in the works to start putting out onto the website. Um, one of which it's been requested a couple times is at least one spreadsheet I use personally every single day. Um, to make that a, sort of a downloadable item. Um, so that is being worked on. So this isn't the whole conversation, but it is part of the conversation. Um, and the hardest part, frankly, is in the decision-making process of when is the right time? Should I quit now? I hate my job. What do I do? How do I make this decision? And for most of us, how do I know it's the right decision? Um, if you've met me at all or have been hanging around here for 
more than five seconds, you know I don't give guarantees and I don't say this is how it is in all circumstances. Here's, you know, black and white. Here's your checklist. Life will be perfect if you follow these rules. It's Life just doesn't work that way. Um, I did not follow, in some cases, I did not follow good sound advice when I became a full-time freelancer and I'm fine. And then in other cases, I look back and go, wow, I really should have thought about those things and life might've been easier if I had done things differently. So it's it's sort of like anything else. You figure it out in some ways as you as you progress and as you live this life. And you can almost always look back and go, oh, I could have done that better. Um, but if you're at a point or are hoping to get to a point sooner rather than later where you're thinking about this, seriously contemplating what's your next move, what do you want to do, especially as we're at the end of one year and going into the next year, whether you believe in resolutions or not, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I just re-up my goals and I look at my goals for the, the next year. But this is the time we all start thinking about that. Like, how do we want 2019 to be different from 2018? And hopefully some of this will help you if you're um, starting to lean towards doing something differently and it's, you know, working for yourself. So um, there is no one set path to follow on this. Um, We all have to do what's right for us based on our very unique situation and the details of our lives and the things we have to consider. Um, There is sort of this common belief that if you just leap, the universe will catch you. Um, I have not quite found that to be true. I have found that sometimes when I leap and then I pedal furiously, work really hard, I'm that duck that uh, on top of the water looks like the duck's gliding, but underneath the the feet are furiously paddling. Um, Yeah, the universe never just caught me. I had to work my ass off. But um, I don't like the idea of, hey, if you just quit your job tomorrow, you'll figure it out. You know what? You probably will. Most of us are a lot more capable and a lot smarter and a lot savvier than we realize. And when we're put in tough situations, yeah, we can figure it out. But it can also wreck our mental health, wreck our creativity, kill our confidence, like lots of other things can happen. So do I think everybody tomorrow should just call their boss up, go, fuck you, I hate you, I'm gonna go be a smut lancer, and no, I'm not even telling you what that means? No, okay? You might figure out life on the way down from that fall, but why should you have to go through that? Um, I do think there should be some deliberation and some thought. Um, I think that some lives and lifestyles make it easier to make a decision like that than others. Um, I did go freelance as a a kind of single mom of two um, and actually took a massive cut in salary to do it. But there were other factors that allowed that. Um, Not everybody can make those kinds of decisions. So all of these things uh, factor into this. I'm, as always, I'm going to rely heavily on my own experience. And that might not be exactly what you're going through. So take what's useful, reject the rest. Y'all know how this works around here. So the first thing you need to do is to figure out, in in my opinion anyway, is to figure out how much money you actually need to make. How much money do you have to bring home in order to um, say that you don't need your day job anymore and you can devote your time and your energy to whatever your freelance gig is. Now, um, in thinking of this number, I think it is uh, good to be realistic. It's what you need, not 
Oh, and you want to maintain your shopping habit or your coffee habit or your whatever your luxuries are in life. Um, but I also think that you should add in to the best of your ability some of those luxuries. Um, my big luxury my whole adult life has always, always been um, eating out. I don't know why. I think it's as a kid, we so rarely did it. So it felt like this special treat. And even now it's like the thing. Like I don't want to go shopping at a store. I'm not really interested in buying new shoes or buying new clothes, but take me to a, a, you know, interesting restaurant and I'm there. So some of the hardest parts of my life have been when I've had to cut my budget back way, way back just to survive. And y'all, I've been both poor, like poverty poor, and I've been broke. Um, and it's only in 2018 at the age of 39 that I really know what it feels like to have disposable income. So I know what it's like to live on a bare bones budget, but if you're living a relatively kind of comfortable, only semi broke kind of life with your day job, and now you're gonna maybe quit that and go be full time as a smut lancer, freelancing in some way, you need to get really, really serious about how much money you actually need. So it's your bills, it's your obligations. Um, and I do think you need to try to, if you can, allow for small luxuries. So let's say you had like a daily coffee habit or, and I don't mean daily coffee habit like you made some at home. I mean, like you're in Starbucks every single day. Well, can you cut that down to once a week? Uh, can you cut that down to twice a week? Maybe you go out to dinner all the time. Uh, can you live on once a week or once a month? Sometimes we don't get the choice and we just have to not have the, those things. God knows I have lived that life too. Um, but if you get to make the choice and it is a choice that you're making, I would say include small luxuries into your budget um, of what you quote need. And that way it makes it easier when the freelance life can has moments when it can be a total slog. There are those moments when you are um, desperate to find your next job. You're not sure, you know, if somebody's going to hire you. You don't know when the next gig is coming through. And life is, is, it's hard. It is hard. And it's very stressful until you kind of find your rhythm. And that is not necessarily a quick or easy thing. But if every part of your life is miserable, meaning you cannot have any of the nice things in life that you want, you cannot have the small moments of luxury that you enjoy, then it's very hard to keep pushing forward. And it's hard to remind yourself of why you're doing this too. So when you have the choice, when you get to deliberate, think about your bare bones budget, housing, food, utilities, medical expenses, um, things like that, things you have to have, kids, okay, uh, they just they keep growing until a certain point and they need shoes and clothes and so many things, so many things. Um, I have two growing boys, so God, they need so many things. Um, so you have to factor those things in. Um, and then pad that a little bit. Give yourself some of those small luxuries that you enjoy. Don't completely give up everything if you can help it. Um, the other thing is, if you are in a situation where you are not the sole income earner, you need to look at your partner, if if that's your luxury, and go, how much are you bring in and how does that offset what I need to bring in? So I think many of us who are mostly comfortable, not comfortable, comfortable is definitely a luxury. I am, it's my second month ever being comfortable. Um, not in poverty, let's put it that way. We have a privilege where there's a lot of things we think we need 
that we don't really need. Um, they're things we want and we've gotten used to them. Uh, throughout my life, I've given some of them up and I've taken some of them back and it's been this weird seesaw. Um, so if you have a partner involved, not only should their income be factored into uh, these decisions, but they have to be factored into these decisions and they need to be in agreement with you on these decisions. Um, hopefully they're like crazy supportive of you and they, you know, like go for your dreams. I'm here for you. But if they're not at least that much, maybe they're still a little skeptical. They do have to buy in. So that income that they have, if they have an income, gets to factor into your decision making. But their thoughts and feelings and opinions also have some amount of weight. This is a partnership that hopefully you're going to continue for the long haul. They need to be on board with you. Like I said, they can still be skeptical, but you do need to talk to them about that. Um, when I went freelance, I kind of decided to just sort of up in my life all at once, just sort of like rip the bandaid off. So I left a long-term job that had sucked my soul dry and I was hating it. I packed my kids up and we moved 440 miles away so that I could live with John Brownstone and take our long distance relationship and make it an in-person relationship. Um, and my options were go find another corporate job and work for somebody else or finally um, give into my dream of working for myself. Now, because he had a job and an income that was enough to cover the basics and truly just the basics for the first six months, we didn't have luxuries. We just had the basics and it was down to the bare bone and it was watch every single penny and stress about every single penny. Um, I could start from scratch. I could, I didn't even have clients. I had people who were interested once they found out I was going freelance and quitting my old job, but I didn't even have clients lined up yet. Um, and he, from the very beginning has supported me in pretty much everything I've ever wanted to do, partly because he knows I'm a very deliberate person. I do not just have an idea, jump off a cliff and, and think that I'll figure it out on the way down. I am way too risk averse for that. And I have anxiety. So that's just not going to happen. He knew I thought it out. He knew I had a plan. We could make it work. We had that luxury and it was a luxury. But he also said to me, we have to have a time frame on this. He says, if you do, he says, I can't, I can't live this tight forever. I cannot support a family of four forever if this is not a viable um, career. And at the time he honestly didn't know. I honestly didn't know. I knew in theory it was a viable career, but I didn't actually know anybody who was making a full-time living as a freelance writer. I knew they were out there, but I had not met anybody yet. So I said, give me a year. I said, really give me six months. If I'm not earning anything in six months, then we definitely need to reassess. But if I start earning money and it's not growing after a year, I'll go work for Starbucks or something. I'll find something. I will not do this to, you know, our newly formed family. And that was my responsibility. So he was skeptical, but he agreed. So that is the kind of buying you need. They don't have to be your cheerleader. Man, if they are, that's great. They at least have to be willing to make sacrifices with you. Okay. So that's the first part. How much money do you need to live? How much money do you have coming in from another source? What are your expenses? Where can you cut? Like you have to do a serious, serious budget and you have to on, I, I'm an on paper person when it comes to numbers, but in a spreadsheet on your phone, on a piece of paper, I don't care how you do it. You need to crunch some serious numbers and you need to be brutally honest. Okay. If your life right now includes going to random stores to buy random things that you happen to think you might like, 
in the beginning of a freelance life, unless you've got another person, a partner with a huge income, that's not going to happen. Things are going to have to change and you've got to get serious about that. So that's the first part. The other thing you want to think about um, is the kind of work you're willing to do while you build this freelance career. So the writing I did in 2014 and the prices I charged uh, as well is a complete 180 from what I do in 2018 going into 2019. Like it's it's night and day, y'all. There are a couple of similarities um, because I just haven't gotten to the, the level my aversion to risk won't let me make a, a step that I keep thinking I really want to make. Um, but by and large, it's completely different. So in 2014, June 2014 was when I was basically open for business. And my old job had been in communication and marketing for a membership association that I worked for. So I was very comfortable with um, writing email newsletters and uh, promoting things and doing social media posts and stuff like that. Stuff I don't necessarily love, but I can do. And so the safe thing, quote unquote, in my head was to say I was a freelance marketer and communications person and that I would do that for small companies who couldn't afford to hire a full-time person and wanted to outsource this. Um, But that I would also stick with real estate because it was an industry I knew fairly well and I knew people in it. Um, And that's what I would do. And then the writing thing, because I was was a sex blogger at the time, I'd been doing that for a few years. That would be my side thing. And I, I would do that, but I wouldn't believe I could really make money, not full-time money that way. Well, one, I quickly found out that I can be a communications, marketing, social media, whatever person for a company I really like, but I can't do it for everybody. And I quickly did not like it. And two, the money for me is in writing because that's what comes most naturally, what comes easiest, what I just, that's where my talent lies, that's where my skill lies. But at the time, I was completely new. I'd never even done it as a side hustle. I didn't know it was an option as a side hustle. Quite frankly, up until that point, I'd been a single mom of two for a few years, just trying to keep my head above water. I'm not sure when I would have found time to do it as a side hustle. But I was a writer who didn't know who would hire me to write for them. I got my first client in that first month, June 2014, $100 a month. I like way underpriced myself. I had another client um, who was a marketing client. I was doing their email newsletters and some social media stuff. That was $100 a month. And then I had another client that I was kind of keeping up with their blog. That was another $100 a month, $300 a month. That's what I did. Uh, I needed more money than that. I was very proud of that $300. That was going from zero to 300. That was great. Um, It was like grocery money in our family. I, I could... I could, and I have still done it, uh, fed a family of four with two of them being growing boys uh, on $300 a month. It is possible. It's not fun, but it is possible. Um, But um, I very quickly went, oh, I need more money. I need to, I need more than this. Now I was reading all of the articles, the the freelance articles, the copywriting articles, all these sites that are devoted to here's how to make money, you know, working for yourself and being a freelancer. And they were all telling me I needed to charge like a hundred dollars for this. And I needed to charge X amount of, um, cents per word. And, and I could see very clearly I wasn't making a lot of money, but I didn't have a lot of, um, I had some skill, but I didn't have skills as a freelance writer yet because I didn't have a lot of experience and I didn't have a lot of confidence. So I just 
did what I do when I need to learn something and I've got something to prove and I've got a family to feed. I just dug in and did whatever work I could find. Well, that is a far cry from today. Four years later, nearly five years later, I'm quite picky about the work I take. I do not take all of the work that I am offered. But at the time, I would take anything anybody offered me. One of those things being, and I know this is very specific to writing, so not all freelancers, smut lancers out there will relate. But one of those things is something called content mill. Now, content mills have a very poor reputation for pretty good reason. They are what you would call kind of the low hanging fruit of freelance work. Um, You get paid the lowest amount of money possible for the most amount of work. You, it's like a mill. You are literally just churning out words. They don't even have to be all that good. They can't be plagiarized um, and they must be grammatically correct, spelled correctly uh, and on topic, but they don't have to be good. They don't have to be insightful. They don't have to be interesting. This is sort of the slog of creating content. Um, And it gets a really bad rap, like I said, for good reason, but that's where I started. And that's, here's the funny thing. That's what taught me that I can write on almost any topic Um, that I can work on extremely tight deadlines. I mean like 12 to 24 hour deadlines that I can churn out hundreds, sometimes thousands of words a day and that I um, can earn a living as a writer that at the end of the month, I'm making something that would be a respectable part-time income. Um, A lot of people will rightly say, don't work for content mills, don't work for content mills, don't work for content mills. Um, I will always caution you against them. I will tell you what the risks are. I will tell you the downsides, but you know what? I'm not gonna tell you that if that's your best option for the first day you start, that you shouldn't do it. You should take writing jobs where you can find them until you can find better ones. The problem I had with a content mill is I should have maybe done it for three to six months and then gone looking for something better. Uh, but I didn't have enough confidence. I, even after all that time, all those hundreds and hundreds of words, um, I still wasn't sure I was a quote, real freelance writer. And I didn't have the confidence to go look for higher paying jobs. And that, w- that was on me. Um, but I, I did gain something from that, that I'm not uh, ashamed of. That, that, is, that is part of the base of my uh, freelance life. That's where I come from, essentially. Now, part of the reason content mills are really, really bad other than paying the absolute least amount of money. And if you've got any experience and you've got any clients already, I would never tell you to look at a content mill unless you were desperate for cash um, is because they you are working for pennies, 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 and the demand is so high. So you can almost never keep up. And the only way you ever make more money at these things is to keep working even harder. I was working easily 60 hours a week at a certain point with content mills and barely bringing home a few hundred dollars a month. Like it was not worth it. Um, It's not something I highly recommend, but it helped me and it got me where I needed to be. So the reason I tell you all that is to say, decide what work you're willing to take. If you've got a little bit of experience or you've already got one or two clients or you've been published here or there, or you've got a portfolio of some kind of work already, you don't have to take that work. But if you were in a position either where you got so fed up with your job that you just walked out and quit, not something I recommend, but I know it's something that happens, or maybe you got laid off and you don't have any choice or there's something going on and you need whatever you can take, it's not perfect. It definitely should never be done long-term, but it is a small, very small source of income. 
And so I was never too good for a content mill. I was never too good for anyone who would pay me for my work, for my ability to write. Now, there does come a point, and I have hit it many, many times over because that point keeps changing, when I'll look at an amount being offered for money and I'll just start laughing because there's no way in fucking hell I'm taking that. Um, when somebody says $5 for 500 words, please don't take that if you can help it. I mean, if it's the only way you're gonna get $5 and you need that $5, okay, but I would rather PayPal you $5 than have you work so hard for 500 word article to only get $5. It's one of the things I don't love about Fiverr and places like that. Um, but in the beginning, when somebody was like, here's $25 for a um, 800 word article, I didn't even know any better. I was just like, wow, you'll pay me that? I could use 25 bucks. Okay. Because in my head, I'm going, okay, if I write four a day, that's $100 a day. And yeah, we can do this. Um, the, pro the other problem with content mills, by the way, is that they are highly competitive because lots of people race to the bottom because lots of people think that's all they can get. And so it actually is harder <laughs> to get some of those spaces to, to write for for pennies. Um, but there does come a point where you look and go, no, you no, that's laughable. I don't I'm not even getting out of bed for that amount of money. And that has happened. Um, and it took me by surprise when it happened. But it has. So. You also, so I say all of that, I'm really long and rambly, but aren't I always, um, that if you, you have to decide what you're willing to work for because you have to hit that number that you know you need. In the very first step, you're like, I have to make this much money in order for us to survive. Well, what kind of work are you willing to do and what kind of fees are you willing to charge or accept in order to hit that number? The less amount of money you're willing to take means you have to work that much harder to hit your number. And sometimes that's not possible for people. Or sometimes you have more experience and a bigger portfolio than you realize. Uh, sex bloggers, I'm talking to you. And you don't think you can charge higher prices yet. And so you look at, oh, I'll, I'll take that $5 for 500 words. Please don't take $5 for 500 words. Um, please, please, please don't. But um, those are the things you have to think about. And so part of that is researching where you can find work until you can find clients. Because client work to me is kind of the, it was always sort of the pinnacle. It Because it meant if they were a client and they were a regular client, that was steady money. The work might change from month to month, the topic I was writing about or, or the type of work they wanted, but the money was steady. Now, some people don't want that. They want to pitch places to write for them, or they want to take one-off jobs here and there for this gig or that gig, and that's fine, but that's the thing you have to think about. If what you're looking for is steady work, then you're gonna look for something a little bit different than, oh, I'm just gonna wait for open calls to pitch. I'm gonna pitch every, every entity that accepts pitches, and we'll go from there. That, I think, says a lot about your risk aversion and what you are willing to accept or not accept and what makes you comfortable and, and, and how you feel about these things and what, you know, maybe triggers anxiety for you and all of that kind of stuff. But that's why you have to think about what kind of work you're willing to take, what kind of prices you're willing to accept. Um, and I think it's the right thing to say, you know, I don't do things that are like concrete, black and white, but here's the thing. When you first start out, you're not gonna get paid the ultimate amount of money you wanna get paid, okay? Like, I'm gonna say it again, don't take $5 for 500 words, but don't think that if you have zero portfolio, zero experience, you're brand new at this, that you get to charge top dollar and people will automatically flock to you. 
there'll always be somebody who'll go, yeah, sure, you sound legit. But if you can't back up the quality of your work with the price you're charging, that will not go far. You will lose that client or you will lose that gig or somebody's going to demand a refund or what, like it's, you have to be realistic as well based on your skill and where you are right now, which is what gets me to kind of my, that's kind of my final point because we're almost at the 30 minute mark. Um, when you're deciding to work for yourself and you're in the situation of I either I hate my job or I'm ready to do something different or I just want to work for myself or whatever, if you have not already done it, start the side hustle first. That is the one thing I desperately wish I had even known was an option um, before I became a freelancer. Because that does a few things. One, it gives you the safety of finding out what you're capable of, what kind of work you want to do, what your rates are, what is an acceptable rate to you, and what is a laughable rate to you. Like I said, that number changes over time. Um, From the safety of knowing that you've got a steady income coming in, that you don't desperately need this side hustle. You like it, it's helpful, maybe it helps you pay bills, but if you've already got the day job that's covering most other things, this is your time to build that portfolio. This is your time to get to know people. This is your time to do one-off work that doesn't result in a steady client, but builds on your experience and your um, the things you're capable of doing and your portfolio and your ability to say to the next person, oh, I've done that kind of work before. Here's a reference. Go check out this work or let me send you a link or here, feel free to email them. They'll tell you I've done work for them or whatever it is. You've already got that with None of the, the pressure of, oh my God, I've got to feed two children and a grown man and we're making almost no money and how will I pay the electric bill next month? And oh God, the car's making it. Like it gives you some breathing room and it also lets you sort of perfect as best as you can when it's only part-time um, your methods and your systems and your pricing and your invoicing and all the things that go into working for yourself. Because that means that the day you finally go, yes, this is the day that I'm quitting and here's my two week notice or whatever, and I'm going to go full time, you know when you get paid approximately every month, you know how you're going to get paid, you know who you can reach out to. Maybe you've done one or two things for them because you had limited time and now you can go, hey, I'm full time, sky's the limit. If you've got anything, I'm here for it, right? Or you've got all of these things, I we all have this, whether we're doing this work full-time or it's a side hustle or what, there never seems to be enough time in the day for this part of the job, right? I remember when I was trying to do more writing as Kayla Lords, but most of my writing work was in the vanilla space and that was where my full-time income was coming from. I was like, there are all these places I want to pitch, but I don't have time because I have to focus on these other projects. I have no doubt that if you've got a side hustle, you are thinking the same thing. There's just not enough hours in the day. Well, once you go full time, you've just given yourself those hours in the day, at least until you build up some steady work or you get those pitches accepted and then you have that work lined up. So if you can, if you have not already and you're somehow listening to me going, yeah, one day I'm going to be a full time smut lancer, start by being a part time smut lancer. Start by taking those baby steps and doing it little by little on the side. Um, I think it will also help your risk of of any risk aversion you might have because you'll already know that you can do it. You just won't know yet if you can do it on a full-time scale. 
My personal opinion, without even knowing who is hearing the sound of my voice, if you can do it on a part-time scale, you are absolutely capable of doing it full-time. You have different skills to learn. You have to learn time management in a different way because now instead of only having two hours or three hours a night or whatever, you have a whole day in front of you. Um, You have to deal with any... um, fears or anxiety or worries or whatever you have about rejection because before rejection sucked because it sucks all the time but you always had your your day job to go back to you knew you had a job now if you get rejected that's a job you don't get that's money you're not earning and there is a lot of anxiety that goes into that I do want to say because this was part of the conversation that I had with Amy um, the question of do you need savings do you need a reserve I think when you can, having savings is always a wonderful idea. One day when I grow up, I'll have money in savings too. Actually, we are working on that now that uh, we have that sort of that freedom and that luxury. So if you can, yes, build up, I would say two to three months of living expenses, minimum, more is always better, more will always be better. Um, but if you can do two to three months, that means that gives you at least a month of looking for work, uh, looking for more jobs, looking for more gigs. And then depending on who you get those gigs from, if they have a one month, a 30 day cycle of pay, a 60 day cycle of pay, you still have money that you can live off of until you start getting paid. Um, But it goes back to why it's a good idea to have a side hustle before you go full time, because you'll already know how much money you have coming in that you can depend on and you'll know when you're going to get paid because you've been getting paid and you have that experience. Um, But the reality is, first of all, I'm going to be brutally honest. When I went freelancing, um, I had almost, I had no actual dedicated savings. I had gotten a payout from my old job for sick time and vacation time I didn't use. So I had that little nest egg. We used most of that in the actual move. Um, and to get things we needed in our new apartment together. Um, And I had some old health savings account money that I could use for medical expenses um, that I did for the, I had enough that lasted me like a year that I could use and I took full advantage of that. But had something happened and I not gotten any work in that first month, the only thing I had to fall back on was John Brownstone, which is why I could make that decision because he was already working full time. We anticipated no problems with that continuing. um, And we relied on that. Some people who have a lot more privilege than maybe some life experience will say, you can't do it unless you have six months a year, like all this money saved up. You can, because let's think about this. If you get laid off tomorrow from your day job, what are you going to do? What if you don't have savings right now? Are you just going to not go look for another job or not increase your side hustle or not start freelancing or trying to start freelancing because you're going to go, well, I don't have anything saved up. So they say I can't freelance. That's bullshit. You're going to do what you have to do to earn the money you need to survive. That brings me to another point that usually comes up in this discussion about the perceived insecurity of the freelance life. There is an insecurity to it. A client can drop you at any point. Somebody might not pay you. I have had times where I have not been paid. Um, Things can happen. And people like to point to that as why the freelance life is way less secure than a day job. And why some people will cling to their day job because they're terrified of the insecurity of the freelance life. And I can only say this now after 
four plus years doing it. This is no more or less secure than a day job. At a day job, you can get laid off at any point, and I have been, okay? In freelance life, you can absolutely lose a client at any point. It's why there's the constant hustle of keeping your eyes open for other clients, for taking on more work than you need, as long as it's enough work that you can handle. That's why you increase your prices. That's why you look for long-term loyal clients, and then you bust your ass to make them love you so that if you'll be the last thing they cut, if they if you kind of suck and you're not turning in your work on time and you're a problem and you're kind of a diva about your work, then yeah, you'll be the first one they cut. But if you come at them with customer service first and you bend over backwards, not to the point where you're losing money, but in you provide service, you will be the last thing they want to cut when they have to start cutting a budget. The other thing is uh, the freelance world is expanding every single day. People are sadly moving away from hiring people in-house and they're outsourcing. It is the gig economy is something that's actually growing in some ways. Um, And with enough hard work and perseverance, it might take you a while, but it can feel, quote unquote, just as secure as a day job. They really are as secure as the other because at least in in the States, you can get fired at any point. Most states are um, don't have to give you a reason to fire you. They can just go, oh, I'm so sorry. We've eliminated your position. Have a nice life. So it's not really any different. It's a perception of security. That would be the thing I would tell you about um, that. That's kind of my rant. Because it came to me. It finally hit me at a certain point. I was like, wait, I'm no more or less secure now as a freelancer. In some ways, I feel a little bit more secure. Uh, which scares me because I feel like the moment I start, you know, resting on my laurels and thinking I got this and and the level of income I have and the type of clients I have will always be that way, then I'm I'm hurting myself. You do have to be a lot more vigilant than we tend to be when we have a day job. But you also have a lot more control. The key selling point to me to not wanting to go find another corporate job when I moved in with John Brownstone was that I had given the last company I worked for seven years of my life. I had worked my ass off for them. I had given them weekends that they didn't deserve. I'd given them early mornings and late nights and work from home. And I had taken on five job roles as opposed to the one that they'd hired me for. Like I had busted my tail for them. And I had made more money over time, but I had never made more money just because I put more effort in. And that's the that's the truth of a day job, at least most of them. But as a freelancer, if I was willing to work that hard for them and transition that to working that hard for myself, that meant I was in direct control of the money I brought in. And so far, knock on wood, because I know anything can happen, that has brought me from a place where I made $300 that first month to now, if you check out the income reports on the Smutlancer website, um, my net income was like six or seven thousand dollars last month. Now, granted, I'm I'm tr- like hoarding that like I'm a dragon with a gold hoard of something. Yeah, you know, I feel like Smaug. That's who I feel like from uh, The Hobbit. Um, sitting on it because I'm terrified it'll go away. I'm not counting on it for the long term. I know that at any moment 
a client could go, mm, we've had to change direction. We're not doing this or mm, we're going out of business. And so we cannot, we can't afford, have you on anymore. Like I know that's a possibility. So I don't crow about you know, my income right now. I'm like, I need to find ways to invest this and save this so that when the bottom falls out, we can still live and we can still, you know, pay our bills. But that in my mind is the product of the, my ability to work hard that I've always had, but instead of using it to prof, to create profit for other people and another entity, I've used it to help myself and to build a business and to be a professional that people want to work with. And they work with me the first time and they're happy with what I do for them. And so then they want to keep working with me. And so if you are in that place where you're thinking, is this the time? When is the time? How do I know when it's the right time to shift and to do this smut lancing thing full time? There's a lot that goes into it. And there's the the actual money and the work you're going to do. And then there's the mindset and how you look at things. And if you are an anxious person, hi, so am I. It's not an easy decision. If you are a parent or a caregiver to anybody else and they depend on you for the roof over their head and the food in their stomach and clothes on their back, it is not an easy decision. You have to feel comfortable with it because you're the one that has to sleep at night. But I do think that if you're willing to work hard, you are willing to start maybe not at the very bottom, please don't take $5 for 500 words, um, but you're willing to start maybe a little bit at the bottom and work your way up. You're willing to prove yourself. You're willing to hustle. You are willing to figure out how to learn to accept rejection. Guess what? I, all this time on, I'm still figuring that out. Um, you can do it. You can make it. And um, I don't know what my top income level is yet. I don't know where I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy right here. I honestly don't know because what I want more than anything is financial security. I am 39 years old and uh, December 2018 is the second month in my life that I've had what feels like financial security. So um, I'm, I know I've got issues I have to work out about all of that. And it's been a long, long road, hard road um, to get to this point. Um, I don't think I have it figured all out. I don't think that my path will be the same path that somebody else needs to take or that it will work the same way. Um, but I do think that when you're willing to do the hard work, you're willing to put in the hustle, you're willing to put in the grind, you're willing to uh, humble, be humble um, and have some amount of humility then yes, you can build the life you want. And yes, um, you can quit that day job and you can go be full-time freelancer, whatever it is. Will it be easy? Hell no, it won't be easy. Will it be worth it? I hope so. It has been for me. Um, at this point, I know anything's possible. I, If we were in a, an emergency, I could go work for somebody else if I had to. But right now I can't even conceive of it anymore because I know what I'm capable of, I know what I'm willing to do, I know what I have done, and I know what I will continue trying to do in the future. And that's the only way you're gonna get that kind of information is through experience. So if you're in this position and you're thinking about it, start with a side hustle. That will give you a lot more experience and a lot more confidence than you can imagine. I wish I had done that. Um, and then at a certain point, once you've weighed all the risks, you've done all the budgeting, you've looked at the numbers, you've you've figured out what you need to feel kind of comfortable with any decision, basically that you can live with any decision you make, then you make a decision. And 
sometimes, yeah, you are going to sort of jump and hope that, you know, there's a net underneath you. But if you've put the work in first, you don't need a net. You, you're making a logical decision based on the information that you have. So yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's it for this week. I have so much to say about this topic. I did not realize how much. Um, we will definitely come back to this. Um, if you are somebody in that position like Amy, who's kind of weighing your options and trying to decide what you should do and what's the right decision, feel free to reach out. If I have any insight that I can share, you know, and you have a question, I'm happy to do it. Uh, it might spark another one of these conversations so we can dive deep uh, into this um, topic because it's a big topic and it's a hard one. And it's not as easy as some people will make it out to be because you have to be able to sleep at night and live with your decisions. My thinking has always been that I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a bad decision, but if I make the best decision, I feel like I can with the information I had at the moment and I thought it through and I planned it out and I did what I need to feel comfortable with my decision, then I can make any decision I need to make. And I can live with the results. And even if I'm wrong, I still feel good about the decision I made. And that's how I do it. You may need to do it differently, but you need to work within what's true to you while also gathering as much information as possible. And then once you have that, sometimes you just have to be brave. And the thing I like to tell people is that you do not have to be brave the whole time. I am never brave all of the time. I don't think I'm all that brave most of the time. You only have to be brave for 30 seconds at a time, the 30 seconds it takes to make the decision and act, right? The 30 seconds it takes to hit send on the email where you put your two week notice in, the 30 seconds it takes to hit send on the pitch to that website you wanna write for, the 30 seconds it takes to um, apply for that gig you saw on that job board, whatever it is, it's all it takes is that 30 seconds. And so once you've done your research, once you've gotten your information, once you've weighed all of your options, if it looks like this might be the decision for you, you just need that moment where you're brave enough to go, it might not work out, but damn, I'll be glad I tried. And then you just take a step forward. So, okay, that's it for me and my rambling and ranting and ooh, lots of ranting this week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Smut Lancer podcast with me, Kayla Lords. If you like what you just heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app and check out the blog, past episodes, and other great info at thesmutlancer.com. I'm going to cut into my own outro and say um, this site and podcast have been growing from word of mouth from one sex blogger or graphic person or freelancer who works in the sex space finding this podcast, finding the site, finding something useful, and then sharing it with your sphere. Um, anytime you see something helpful or useful to you in your business um, from my website and you can share it um, with your fellow professionals, that is huge. I mean, reviews definitely matter. Love a good review on a, a podcast app. But that's how this site's been growing inch by inch, person by person, slowly over a, about a year and a half. Um, and so thank you when you do that. I've, I've get, every once in a while I get linked on a share or shit Saturday or some of those other things. Um, but when you do come across something helpful, feel free to share it. You can follow the Smut Lancer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at I'm at the Smut Lancer in all three places. And feel free to reach out there or by email at Kayla at the smutlancer.com with questions or topic suggestions. And if you've had any thoughts or further questions from this topic, feel free to reach out to talk about that too. Thanks for listening. Let's do this again next week. Mm-hmm.